0: My friends, we have been meditating on this same gospel passage this past week. On Friday, a couple days ago, we got the first half of today's gospel. On Wednesday, in the feast day of uh, Saints Philip and James the Lesser. And again, yesterday, we meditated on the second half. There is much here. There is much for us to reflect upon. I've been personally reflecting a lot on St. Philip. Master, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And I reflected a great deal on our Lord's response to Philip, and to me, and to all of you. Have I been with you for so long a time, and you still do not know me? You know, the first and second and third, really for years meditating on these words, I always imagined Jesus being disappointed. Disappointed in me, I can almost really feel Jesus' sigh at me as he spoke these words. To Philip, but also stretching out through time to me as well. But then more recently the spirit led me to wonder if perhaps Jesus had a different response not one of disappointment but one of a sort of subdued excitement even that maybe even had a little subtle smile coming on the corner of his lips from this holy Thursday that this account first happened Jesus, in his divinity, knew. He saw that Philip's lack of understanding in this Holy Thursday moment, that his demonstrated lack of faith, would ultimately be overcome through faith, hope, and love, and that he and the Father would send their spirit upon him. He would run from the cross tomorrow, fine, on Good Friday, He cowered in fear I would do the same. But Philip would ultimately and very courageously endure his own cross. He would, after all, be crucified upside down. He would do this out of total love and abandonment to Jesus Christ and his church. My friends, I think our default position is oftentimes to think that God looks down on us in disappointment that he sees us, we line up on that back view, we line up on that back view week after week, confessing the same sins, perhaps over and over and over again, that he's disappointed in our continual failures. But God is a prodigal father. God is unconditionally pouring his love out upon us. Prodigal, of course, means reckless. Perhaps sometimes he is recklessly pouring forth his grace upon us for not paying attention. But it is in our Lord's uh, nature to be generous. He loves us. Even in the midst of our most shameful sin, the Lord, the Father, is loving us, trying to love us out of that sin, of course. He delights in our continual struggle to be free. He delights in our struggle to be holy. Ultimately, please God, to be saints. And he says to each of us today, right now, here in this holy mass: do not let your hearts be troubled. You know, one of my go-to guys, Dr. Peter Creed, so beautifully says that this line, do not let your hearts be troubled, implies that we have some authority over our hearts what we usually mean by our hearts and our feelings and emotions is our feelings and emotions he says jesus is telling us that we have the power to say to our feelings and emotions be still be still today jesus is looking at each of us with excitement seeing that day Today, please God, in which we will allow his grace to transform our hearts and minds so that we can be free. Right now, perhaps here in this holy mass, today, Jesus is saying to each of us, you have faith in God, have faith also in me. He is telling us that our hearts will not be troubled when we exercise the gift of faith we received so long ago in a font like that one Yet some hears words where I am going you know the way and like Thomas begin to doubt master we do not know where you are going how can we know the way we mainly of course doubt ourselves we doubt our faith we doubt our belief in God we doubt we doubt, we doubt. For well, Jesus can do great things with our doubts. Look what He did with Thomas's doubt. He went from saying, "I will only believe if I can put my hands in His nail marks," to coming to give the most concise Christology ever recorded in Holy Scripture: "My Lord and my God." Today, Jesus says to us. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, then you will also know my Father. You know, Pope St. John Paul II so beautifully said that Jesus is the answer to the question posed by every human life that Jesus is fully God and fully man. His reality, the reality of Jesus Christ and the incarnation, unites humanity with God in a way never, ever imagined. For Jesus is the way. He is the one mediator chosen and sent by the Father to bring the human family, all of us, to glory. He is the way. He doesn't just know the way, he is the way, and he is also the destination. He doesn't just say follow him, he takes our hand and he guides us. And if necessary, when necessary, he places us on his shoulders and carries us along the way. He is the truth. He doesn't simply know the truth, he is truth truth itself and he and the father sent their spirit upon the church so that we could have access to the truth and great comfort that we have the truth we may not understand the why but we know infallibly the what and he is the life he sustains us in every in existence every moment of our lives for he is life itself he is calling us to make him the center of our life everything we do say think and desire to be centered on him and his church to fit our life around him and not simply squeeze him into our life because he is our life my friends when we embrace the reality that jesus is the way the truth and the life then everything changes. We know this to be true. And that each of us can, remarkably, do the works that Jesus does, and even do greater works than these. Such an astonishing statement in today's Gospel. It's, It's striking, honestly, to hear Jesus said that, but it is true. Jesus raised the dead. He healed thousands. He fed thousands. He forgave sin. How can those first disciples, how can we possibly do greater works? But it is true. It's the inspired word of God. And to be clear, God is the one that is at work. All good comes from him. But in his humanity, Jesus could only be in so many places. Scripture records Jesus raising three people from the dead Jairus's daughter the widow of Nain's son and of course Lazarus today doctors and nurses and physicians assistants at every corner of the globe utilizing their God-given talents of course bring clinically dead people back to life every day thousands of people millions of people are healed through the gift of these medical professionals every single week. Scripture records Jesus feeding the multitude, four thousand and five thousand and 5,000. Of course their families too. Maybe that gets us a 20 or 30,000. It's a lot of people fed with a little bread and fish. Today, well not just thousands of people, but literally millions of people are fed through the generosity, disciples throughout the world. Jesus spoke to thousands of people at various sermons he gave. He spoke of the good news. He spoke of the kingdom. Today, Father Mike Schmidt's podcast alone reaches millions every single day. His Bible in the year and now his catechism in the year reach millions. Every pope of the modern age reaches millions of people every single day. Fulton Sheen, many of us grew up number one TV show while he was on television. Mother Angelica, Mother Teresa, on and on and on are reaching millions, have reached millions of people spreading the good news, speaking about the kingdom. Jesus forgave many sins. Scripture records some of them. But today, and greatest of all of these things, many millions of people have their sins forgiven by Jesus working through his priests. To forgive sins is, after all, a greater work than even physically raising the dead. For St. Augustine so importantly and beautifully said, the justification of the ungodly is something greater than the creation of heaven and earth greater even than the creation of angels. What happens in those little rooms in the back of our church is greater than the creation of the whole world out of nothing. And Jesus does this through his priests every single day. For the church is that dwelling place Jesus spoke about in the gospel, the living stones that St. Peter speaks about in the second reading. He's prepared a place for us here and ultimately pleased God in heaven. He's also prepared a place for himself in our souls where he began to dwell in our baptism. Jesus is the head, he is the cornerstone, and it is here, right here in this holy mass, it is in the church that we are then closest to him. It is here that one of my, in one of my favorite scripture passages, even a large group of priests were becoming obedient to the faith. For Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. In him we have a guide, a map, and a destination. For he is God-made man. And to truly know him is to have experienced him too. For Jesus is is the visible image of the invisible God. My friends, this, what we do right here, right now, faithfully living the sacramental life of the church, this is the key to the peace Jesus is talking about. This is where we find untroubled, that untroubled state that we see by truly believing Jesus is God, that he is God made man, and that he isn't simply a guy with special gifts, but rather he is God in the flesh. He's broken into our human condition to save us, to bring us to peace and joy. Today's gospel is thankfully immediately followed by the promise of the Holy Spirit. If you love me, You will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Forever. So my friends do not let your hearts be troubled. He is the peace. Here is the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that calms our anxieties. And if we struggle with doubt like Thomas, or if we have not yet fully understood like Philip, be comforted that they both became saints and you're now in the right place, so that our hearts may no longer be troubled, that we may find true and everlasting joy and happiness and peace, and help our families, friends, co-workers, and classmates do the same. And may God be praised. Amen.